Okay, so happy Father's Day. I had a lovely Father's morning. It was great. Let me read to you from 1 John 2, 4 to 6. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands as a liar. Ooh, that's a bit heavy to go from all this happiness down to that. He commands as a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Where is Colin going with this? Well, verse 13 says, I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. So this is a challenge for us as daddies. It's great to celebrate our fathers. It isn't, we want to honor you as fathers. We want to honor us as fathers. But the quality of our fathering is determined by how well we know the Father, evidenced by how much we live like Jesus Christ. And there are the people that live with us that can answer that question truthfully, because you can look at me and go, oh, well, you know, that's great what he does, but you need to ask Claire and Anna and Isaac. So fathers, we need to know the Father, and we need to have uh, the life of Jesus Christ evidenced in our lives. Can I have an amen to that one? It's a bit of a, oh, went from happy Father's Day to we've got something to do today. Yeah, just live like Jesus. Happy Christmas, everyone. Um, the second thing I want to say is this is Ephesians 6, 2-3. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may be long-lived on the earth. Could I ask the fathers to stand? Okay, we, fathers, if you have fathered any children, if you would like to stand. Okay, we're going to pray for them, all right? You can close your eyes or keep them open. You don't have to stretch your hands out. Faith is not dependent on whether you, apparently John Wimber did that as a demonstration and then everybody took it as gospel, that they had to stretch their hands out towards the person or it wouldn't work. Anyway, let's pray for the fathers. Holy Spirit, we thank you for the strong fathers that are present in this house. We ask that you would raise up uh, children that know you through these fathers. We also ask that there would be many, many, many spiritual fathers that come from this house. And that there would be many children who know exactly who they are because of them. And Lord, thank you for the privilege of being a father and of having fathers among us. And we ask, Lord, that the blessing on these men would mean that it would go well for their children and that they would live a long time on this earth. And Lord, we want to remember those fathers who aren't here on this earth anymore. And we want to say thank you for them. And we want to honor them too. Is that good? Can we say amen to that? Amen. Um, anytime there's a problem, you can sit down now. <laughs> we could just keep you standing for the rest of the time. We wouldn't feel so lonely up here. Um, anytime there's a promise in Scripture, uh, we want to lay hold of that. So if it basically says that if we, are, if we honor our fathers and mothers, it means that it's going to have an effect on us. Blessing, life will be good. Whatever good looks like might not look like what we expect it to look like, but it's going to be good if it's from God and also that we get to live a long time on the earth. Okay, so we have come to the end of Seek to Speak. It's, oh. That was decidedly underwhelming, moving swiftly on. Here's the season finale. I'm going to give you the most epic of recaps. But before that, um, Andrew was uh, giving me a bit of testimony this morning as to what happened to him in work. Um, and he had one of those moments where it was Seek to Speak. And I believe you said you were prepared. And uh, somebody was saying there was a bit of pain. And uh, he said, well, have you had prayer for that? I think that question came quite out of you. He didn't expect it to come out of you. And he said, I would love that. So they rendezvoused together. She got some prayer and she said that she was 90% better. Oh, well, you can explain that away. Try. 
Do we believe that God heals? Sometimes he doesn't. We all know that he doesn't at times. They're the difficult ones. I don't claim to know the answers as to why he does things and doesn't do things. But does that mean that sometimes he doesn't, that we decide we're not going to do it anyway? Or how about we just go, he's good, why wouldn't we ask? Seek to speak. Seek to speak. All it has to be is a well, would you? And sometimes the question comes out of your mouth and you think, what have I done? I'm going to have to follow through with this. It can be all a wee bit awkward and you're, okay, well, should we pray about this? And I remember I did that in my, when I was uh, working in the store and the guy was leaving. I think I told you about it. And all of a sudden I was telling him what I felt was a word of knowledge and what I thought God was doing. It was all a wee bit awkward, but, but I did it. Seek to speak. Let your faith arise. We want to talk a wee bit about that this morning. Okay, so let's do the mammoth of all recaps. Can you believe that this is week number nine? We have covered that God always accomplishes more than one thing at once. Have you discovered that? He's always about 15 things just at one time. If we simply seek to speak, we will have nothing to say. But if we become seekers, then we're going to have, to, we're going to have treasures that are worth talking about. Proverbs 25.2, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter and to search out a matter is the glory of kings. And it is the nature of royalty to seek and search. Matthew 6.33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. But we also want to seek to speak. Romans 10, 14 to 15. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless somebody tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? And that is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. And as always, people can argue with your, te- your theology, but they cannot argue with your testimony. So what's your testimony? What's your story to tell? Tell people that he's loved you. Then we looked at ASK, which, where's Mark? Is Mark here? What does ASK spell? What it spells ask like, but you did sort of took my thunder there a wee second, didn't you? So ask is a request that comes from a relationship. It's not a demand. Seek is a process that comes from the desire to find something that you've lost or something that you need or you want. And knock is an activity almost violent that seeks to gain entry from one place to another. And we talked about the parable where Jesus said that the man comes to the guy's house, knocks on the door, the guy says, clear off, it's 2 a.m., my children are asleep. But because the man persistently and shamelessly knocks, he lets him in. And made the point that shame will stop you from knocking with persistence on the door of your destiny whatever that destiny might be. And it might not feel like shame. It might just feel like, well, you know, I think we should just give up now. As in, it seems like the logical thing to do. But maybe underneath, there's some area of shame that would cause you to lay down something that God would have you hold on to. Then we looked at partnering with the Spirit, that DCB is the house of the hunt, which means that we're hunters. That's all I'm going to say about that. That heaven is on the hunt and it's our invitation to partner with the Spirit and we need to stay sensitive to the Spirit. We stay close by the erosion of conformity to how the world thinks and we keep our sensitivity and are transformed by consistently and intentionally having our mind renewed as to how God thinks. Romans 12.2. Are any of these? They're there. Yeah. Do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. That was week four. Week five, prepare to declare. Preparation means that we're able to do what wouldn't come naturally to us in the moment that it's required. 
prepare to declare. Takes you by surprise. I'm going to do this, God. This is what I'm going to say. And then when you're in the zone, it just flows out of you like a river. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. The store is now closing. And the I could do that till the cows come home because I had to do it when I worked in Texas home base. Just rolls out of me. It's true, isn't it? You don't think about those things that you do repeatedly. You just do them. If we prepare, what we have prepared will come to us with ease and with flow. So we've got to prepare to declare. Then week six, did you know it was week six you took a hold of, Mark? He did uh, the four outs of outreach. He made the comment that it's our responsibility, that it's our church that we've got to reach out. And he used the traffic lights, which I have to say I found very helpful. You wait for the stop, which is the Holy Spirit simply interrupting your day, whatever's going on. You then have the amber, which is a just wait, just wait and see what the direction is. And then when your opportunity comes, it's a green light and off we go. So thank you for that, Mark. Week seven, we looked at the catalyst of compassion, that Jesus was always moved to do something by compassion, and the power of the kingdom is entrusted to those who have the heart of the king. Do you want to have the heart of the king? Do you know, sometimes I'm not sure, because I think it hurts a lot. But yes, I do. And then last week, how did we handle last week? I was talking with Gareth, you were working, and I was, uh, I was chatting with them, and I was sharing about, he said, oh, what were you talking about on Sunday? And I said, we're talking about being like snakes. And he just went, oh, oh Colin. I was like, Colin, you've been doing so well. And then you start talking about snakes. Did you get past the offense of the, the symbol? Did you get past the association to the enemy to see what it was all about, that actually snakes are very wise, they're very discerning, they wait, they wait for their opportunity, and then they strike, even that word, they strike. It sounds about death, but this is all about life. Serpents can read situations, they're opportunists, they wait for their opportunities, they size it up, they take their moment, they catalambano it, and they strike quickly, and they cause death, but we're about causing life. And then the ones we all love, the doves, can't do it as well this week, my throat's going. Innocent in the Greek is akeros, which means pure, untainted, simple, unsophisticated, sincere, blameless, blameless in their conduct. And doves are biblically symbols of purity. Genesis 8, when Noah sent the dove out for the second time, it came back with an olive leaf in its beak. The symbol of life and also the promise of oil, of anointing, of blessing. Dove brings hope, peace, confirmation of God's goodness that God does as he promises he will do. And in case you missed it, that's what we're supposed to be about. We are to carry the reality of those things in our mouths just like the dove. However we do it, tell people that there's hope Tell people that there's something better. Promise them that God is good and that he will come and he will do exactly what he says he will do. And as Jesus said, we're to bring these things and these attributes into a world of wolves. And some of them are simply sheep and wolves' clothing. So we've got to find them and tell them, come on, you really do know who your father is. Now that's a recap. Covered a lot of ground. Have you found some benefit in this? Even if it has caused you to go, oh, I never thought of it that way. You have no idea of the implications and the influence that that can have on your life. But what I would say is, if you can just simply step out, you will find that you have everything that you need. And as you consistently step out, you'll be able to pass on to other people, this is what you can do. Sometimes the most helpful thing that we can do is to say, do you know, it's really awkward. People go, you find it awkward too? I always thought it was easy for you. And as we keep going and keep going and keep going, God will let us train other people to do those things. Sound like a plan? Okay. 
This week, the question is, where do you stand? So we can seek to speak without it. We can alleviate the shoots for a time, but we really want to grow and we really want to have faith. And I was so pleased when Nathan started singing, um, waiting here for you, with our hands lifted high in the air. It's all about faith. We are waiting here for you. And I don't know about you, but in the middle of that worship, he was right there. In those moments, it's just like he's right there. And to be honest, it's not that he's never right there, but some moments more than others, it feels like it's, he's unveiled and he manifests himself. You know, you can start arguing with theology. I'm not saying that he's not there all the time. He is. But just to us at times, it's, it's like, where are you? I can't, I can't feel it. doesn't mean that he's not there. Just because I can't feel the air moving about me right now. But if I do that, I can. In those moments, they're the moments I close my eyes and I go, oh, there you are. Just watch him, watch what he does, listen to what he says to you, see what he's doing, and enjoy every minute of it, because it doesn't happen all the time. We want to talk this morning about faith. We want to seek to speak with faith. I was listening to uh, Chris Vallotton's uh, podcast, and, or one of his recent podcasts, and he said, you know, whenever you pray without faith, you're just moaning. Oh God, this is such a difficult circumstance, and it's just so terrible, and it's so hard, it's so awful. And absolutely, we need to be honest with him, but we'd be better praying with faith. I'm really struggling with this, but I know that you're good. This has been going on for a while, but I know it's not going to be here forever. God, you know, our finances are so up the left, but, but you really are good, and you're very, very rich. God, this person's really sick, but you do heal people. We want to be about faith. If we don't have faith, what on earth do we have? Faith is the confidence that, we, that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us the assurance about what we cannot see. That's Hebrews 11.1. 1. Confidence is support, substance, steadiness, and assurance is the internal persuasion from him. I'm loving the Greek at the minute. And Greek, the Greek word there is pistis, which is to be persuaded, which comes from trust, and it means faith. And the comment that the um, author here said was, faith is always a gift from God and never something that can be produced by people. In short, faith for the believer is God's divine persuasion and therefore distinct from human belief. New Age philosophy states that we are God, therefore what we declare will happen. And a lot of businesses actually would run on a New Age philosophy, which is if we name it and claim it, as in we're going to do this target, and I've been in so many businesses like it, we've done it before, we're going to do this target. If you don't believe it, then it's, you're not going to make it happen. No, it's not about that. We're talking about faith. Faith comes from God, is something that we catalambano and lay hold of and then walk out in our lives. So I could stand here and say, well, I'm going to be a chicken today. In New Age philosophy, then, I believe that I'm going to be a chicken. God is not indicating in any shape or form, personally or through Scripture, that I'm ever going to be a chicken. You may think it's ridiculous, but the amount of times that it's like, well, I've declared it, therefore for it shall happen. And yet, whenever God speaks, and we say to other people, or we just declare, I believe that God has said this about me, and I can stand up and say I'm going to be a chicken, and people go, well done. 
But I can stand up and I say, I'm not a victim. I'm a son of God. You need to go into an asylum. So faith is making agreement with what he says. Pistis, the word in secular history, refers to the guarantee or warranty. And in Scripture, faith is God's warranty, certifying that the revelation he has inbirthed in us will come to pass. So what can faith accomplish? Are you ready for this? I've, abri- I've edited it down for time and to make a point. This is from Hebrews 11 uh, from verse 3. You can follow it if you want to. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offering. By faith Abel still speaks even though he's dead. By faith Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. For before he was taken he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah did. By faith, Abraham did. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead at nearly 100 years old, came descendants as as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. You think about Abraham. He's standing there outside his tent one night, and the voice of the Lord comes to him and says, I'm going to make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. He's an old man. He has no children. It doesn't look like it's going to happen. What on earth did he lay a hold of? faith. You stand there as Abraham, and you stand underneath your stars, and you look at the lack in your life, and the improbability, and the seeming impossibility, and the struggles you've had, and the voice of the Lord comes to you and says to you, your descendants will be as numerous as the stars in the sky. What do you say? All these people were still living by faith when they died. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. By faith, Jacob. By faith, Joseph. By faith, Moses. By faith, he left Egypt. By faith, he kept the Passover and the application of blood. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. Watching a big wheel. You know, finding Nemo. Speaks whale. Brilliant moment. Did anybody speak whale as they were going through the Red Sea with walls of water on either side? I'm sure it's just a nice wee story, isn't it? Just a nice wee story. Keep the children happy. No, it was real. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell. Some of you haven't recovered from the whale yet. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, difficult one to say, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. Or we can just get on with our lives. What do you want to do? What do you want to do? 
Because this is very much like the kicker. We can turn this up as hot as we want it to go. And we can say to God, do this and do this, do this, and we're waiting here for you, and we want you and want you. Do you really? Jesus said that if we had faith as small as a mustard seed, we could say to that mountain, move into the sea, and it would move. What on earth does that say about faith? What about it? Though we be but small, what about it? For a while, uh, for some reason, anytime, we're going to light now, it's all right, you can all calm down. For a while, for some reason, anytime there was a stain on anybody's clothes, Anna would say, vanish gold, mummy. <laughs> some of you really got that. I, I, I didn't even know what vanish gold did. It was, it was like nearly Tourette's. Every time there was a slight stain, vanish gold. And I'd be going, what is this about vanish gold? Claire would go, just used it a few times. Anna had total faith in the miraculous powers of vanish gold. <laughs> anytime there was any stain, vanish gold. She had seen its near miraculous result. near lost my place there. Results of its application, and we're talking about faith. We put our faith in such little things like that. WD-40, the thousand uses. Apparently, there's a website that says, Mark, I'm speaking to you. It's true, isn't it? It's amazing stuff. Just to clarify, I was speaking to you there. You know, we talk about these things. Oh, well, that'll do and that'll do. We're talking about faith here. Do you want me to read what it says in verse 32 again and what they accomplished through faith? The opposite of faith is what? Fear. Mm. Mm. Unbelief. Unbelief, it's not the lack of faith, nor the absence of faith. The reason for the first two is often the presence of unbelief. So this is Mark 9, 24. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. The Greek is apistos, which the a means not, and pistos, which we've already used for faith, faithful. So it basically means not faithful because unpersuaded, not convinced, not persuaded by God. Faithless, unpersuaded does not always refer to the unconverted either. John 20, 27 is the same word in the Greek. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand, and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. It describes someone who rejects or refuses God's inbirthings of faith. Now, I want to tell you a story of what happened to me. This is a number of years ago. Um, I was in a lovely wee country church, and just before that, really, God had got a hold of me driving along the M5, car full with love, totally ruined. You all know that story. Um, and then I started to have these dreams. I just recently met um, Andrew and a few others, and I started to have these dreams which were really indicating that it was time for me to move to another church. Yes, it does happen. My take on it is it's all his church. He can move us as and when he wants to. It's up to him. It's his church. It was very clear, and it was very obvious that it was my time to move. There was no offense. There was no difficulty. It was just time. So um, I took the leap. And then I remember I was talking to my friend, Pastor Dave. I'll not do the African accent because I'm not sure I can pull it off. But I, 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 was, I made the leap and then all of a sudden was rushed with all these thoughts of, well, what if it's all going to go pitong? What if this and what if that? And it just it was accompanied with the feelings. You know, that thought plus feeling equals reality. 
So the thought was, well, what if I've missed this? And the feelings were confirming all of that. And it just was, oh, my God. And Pastor Dave said, I think you're just midair, my friend, which was very helpful. But I was tormented. And I'm not talking about a little bit hassled. I mean getting to the stage where it was like that boy's cheese just slid off his cracker. It was like, I don't know whether I'm going to lose my mind here. Anybody else been there? Really? Really troubled? You're not going to get out of it and you're completely stuck? What do you do then? Will you pray, but I'll give Andrew a call. Hi, Andrew. Let me verbal vomit over you about where I'm at. And he listened. And as dear love him. You know, the amount of times that man has done that for me. I go, and he goes, yeah, he ate that. And that wasn't so good. Just don't eat that again, all right? So he said to me, look, I remember it really clearly. He said, I have a real witness that you're in unbelief. And the minute that he said that, it was, that's it. That's exactly what I've done. So I had faith. I'd, God had birthed faith in me that it was time to move, okay? I made the leap, so I had done everything as correctly as I should be. And midair, the enemy throws a javelin at me. And rather than dodging the javelin or holding up my faith, I take the javelin as, well, maybe this could be the word of God. Have you ever noticed that often that the enemy, it sounds like God? It's not really that if he came to us like a snake, bad sense, not the good one that we're talking about last week, everybody settle down, it's all okay. When he comes to us and says something, if he came and went, you are just horrible, we'd go, oh, that's the enemy, we must resist him. Instead, it's a bit more like, no, maybe you're being a wee bit arrogant. That. Maybe your whole heart to move church is just it's more selfish than actually you just want to destroy those people. This, you had a really good thing there. You had good community. You had good relationships. Was it the wisest thing to jump? You have a history of being a wee bit, you know, impetuous. You just kind of, you know, just have, we think of, just have we think about those things. Oh, no. I've got this horribly wrong. It's just awful. Everything's going to fall apart. It's terrible. I've got it wrong. There's me going. I was acting out of pride again. Oh, and then the fruit of all of that is insanity. Jesus said that we would know the nature of something by the fruit that it bears. So we ring Andrew and he says, it's unbelief. So he says, it's unbelief. I'm like, it's absolutely unbelief. Get off the phone. Say to the Holy Spirit, I'm really sorry. Would you help me take back the ground that I've given over to the enemy? And we walk on. Unbelief comes and drills. So we're in a boat, right? We're sailing on this big sea. And unbelief comes and starts just drilling the hole into the boat. And we're like, okay, it's all all right. Sure, I don't think it's really unbelief. It's all fine. But then as the boat starts to fill up with the water, and we can't build the water out fast enough, and our little ship is starting to sink, and if it sinks, then we're stuffed because we're in an ocean that's far deeper than we could ever handle, and there's currents in it, and there's predators, and there's all sorts of things. So what we do at that point, because we're going to get it wrong at times, what we do is we say, I'm really sorry. Forgive me for that. We plug the hole, and then we start to bail out the water. We get it out of there. And I did move church, and it was totally fine. Totally fine. It was all okay. But it was unbelief. It was anti-faith. Faith is God's divine persuasion as revealed in Scripture and its real-time application in line with Scripture. Faith opens the door to God's kingdom and provision, and it is the means by which we enter God's realm of possibility. Unbelief is rejection of God's divine persuasion, 
as revealed in Scripture and its real-time application in line with Scripture. And unbelief, and I hope that you can see it from that story, opens the door to the enemy's kingdom of darkness and confusion, the mundane, as in just life's what it is, impossibility and relying on what we see and the torment and terror of the darkness that could happen to us. So do you see that one opens a door to God's world of possibility and the other opens the door to the demonic and the horrors of that world? And really, half the time, it's not even the reality of it. It's the threat of it. Is it the people are afraid of the dark or is it what the darkness actually could hold? It's the threat of all of that stuff. Unbelief sees the mountain, sees the obstacle, sees the obstacle as the end of the road. Faith sees God sees the mountain, sees the obstacle, but sees an opportunity to overcome, to be victorious, to be rewarded, and faith tells the mountain where to go rather than the mountain telling us where to go. Unbelief tells us to go back to sleep while singing us a familiar lullaby of that's life. It's just the way it is. It's just the way you are. Just square up to it. Faith wakes us up with a shout of victory, tells us there's much more to do, showers us clean, dresses us in righteousness, puts a sword in our hands and tells us to let go of the limitations of what we thought were possible. Faith tells us that God is way better than we think he is and bids us to come on a journey of becoming. Seek to speak. So as we seek to speak, we want to deal with any unbelief that we might carry. That will only offend. Can I get you guys to come up? that it's only for the chosen few to evangelize, that it has to look a certain way, and that basically that we just can't do it. And even though we may have had some fruit and success in our lives of inviting people or ministering to people or talking to people, at that moment in time, we don't remember all of those things. We just remember that it was difficult this time, and it feels like there's something to overcome. So how do we deal with it? Will we ask for forgiveness to, for yielding to a lie? Do you remember when we uh, agree with the lie, we make connection like it's a circuit. We make connection with the lie and add our faith to that. When it's the things of faith and the things of God, we have to break connection with the lie. We cannot stand and make connection with the lie and somehow believe that we can also make connection with the truth. We have to say no, and I'm sorry, and I break that in Jesus' name to be able to say yes and amen to what God wants to do. Okay, We make agreement with the truth and make connection with it. So, I don't want to hide the ball, but we started and began with a prophetic word. Do you remember what it was? By the growth spurt. Well, we're most definitely growing, as in the people here are growing. There's no doubt about that, and we always have more to go. But I want to say that we have grown a little numerically, but not like what I think that the word growth spurt actually means. Now, we have an option here. One of the options is that I missed it. I'm open to missing it. There's no problem. I remember one time somebody came to me and said, Oi, you prayed for me one time and you said this. And it was just totally wrong. And I went, I'm really sorry. I think I missed it. And I went, oh, all right, okay. I'm okay with missing it. I don't think I missed it. I really don't think I missed it. I think it's numeric, this growth part. I also think it's conditional upon our participation with what the Spirit is doing in the lives of those that we're in relationship with and sometimes that we're just around. So maybe it just hasn't happened yet. So what do you say? Will you stand with me?
as always, some questions to help you to respond. Do you want to keep on this journey of seeking to speak? Do you want to step out of any unbelief you might have? Do you want to stand in faith? If you do, come and stand with me. Holy Spirit, we stand here, some of us scared to death, hopefully scared to life, not knowing what it means, don't know how to do it, don't know what it looks like, but it sounds like it's on. So we make our stand, and we also want to say our yeses to the bits that we really, if we're being honest, and our souls are terrified of. By faith, mountains go into the sea. By faith, the dead come back to life. By faith, armies are rerouted by faith nations are changed by faith provision comes by faith children are born by faith destinies are altered by faith addictions are broken by faith we see relationships happen that we never thought would happen by faith we see children come back to fathers and fathers come back to children by faith by faith certainty of what we do not see when we become certain it's become something else it's something that we testify to so holy spirit we stand here this morning not really knowing what it means to stand but we know a little and we really are beginning to know you so will you come right now and increase your presence here